Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello. There. Hi. Uh, welcome to the episode after the finale. Yeah. Uh, very excited. Post humus. Post script. So post. <laughs> yeah, posthumous would be a little post-it note dark. Post-it note. Yes. <laughs> uh, poster children. For that's not even. You didn't even. How dare you? It's much more than a post-it note, uh, folks, because it's an interview with Harry Groner. Yeah. Have you ever seen a post-it note that was forty-two minutes long and packed to the gills with <laughs> I thought you were delightful say, anecdotes? Have you ever seen a post-it note that's forty-two feet high and can knock <laughs> down because because the snake? Oh, have you ever seen that? Okay. Wow. What? You just made me think about Stranger Things, but maybe I shouldn't talk about it because spoilers. I mean. But also, what if you just built a snake or a maze oh, out of post-it Out of post-it notes? notes? Hmm. That is very Stranger Things. That sounds Things-y. like a great rainy day activity for me. I'm going to put that in my pocket for the future. Great. Well, it'll fit because it's a post-it note. It's a bunch <laughs> of post-it notes. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Doing great. Hi. Hello. Um, Before we get into this amazing episode that Kristen conducted with uh, a plum, uh, unparalleled professionalism, <laughs> and uh, really enjoyable zeal. Uh, we have a few things we want to tell you about. First of all, holy crap. Uh, it's the end of season three, as you know, and there are a few things in our shop that we want to make sure you're aware of. First of all, the season three CD is uh, up for pre-order. That'll be going out like mid-May or so. And much, much, much more importantly, Kristen's illustrated zine of Buffy and Faith's erotic novels, handpicked so carefully and with such thoughtful consideration and compassion from various episodes in season three and illustrated so beautifully by the one and only Christine Tuna. Holy flip, it's there in the store. You can get it and you can uh, color it or like tear out the pages and like hang them over your bed or sleep with it under your pillow. Or maybe like don't deface it because it's a work of art. Maybe get two copies. One yeah, to keep pristine. one to color. And one to like mess with. <laughs> uh, so you can find all that stuff and everything else that we have to offer you, of course, uh, by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on shop. Did I leave anything out? You didn't leave anything out. There's there's good stuff over there. Um, also, if you follow us on social media, stay tuned because another prom sponsor who we have not mentioned yet is Upper Deck. Upper Deck is the creator of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game. Um, many of you are familiar with this game. It's pretty awesome. Once you crack it, once you figure out how to follow the rules and do all the stuff, it's super fun. And I know a lot of you already enjoy it. Five of you actually won a board game at prom, so that's awesome. Oh, we've and, still got more to give away. Yeah, we have a sixth game that Jenny and I have here that Jenny and I are going to sign uh, and that we are going to give to someone over in the social media landscape. So if you want to follow us over there, we're at BufferingCast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can find all the details there next week. Now, listen, Kristen's going to sign it, but I'm going to sign it, and then I'm going to, like, rub my face all over it. Wow. So it's going to come also with some of my face grease. DNA. How grease <laughs> face oil on 
I mean, everybody has oil on their face, Jenny. Acceptable. Wow. Anyway, speaking of oils, the Sexual Attention (laughs) Award bracket is now up and running. Emily, our beloved, our beloved listener, Emily, who has, uh, who, you know, created this bracket, the idea for this bracket back in season two. And then we went back and did season one. (laughs) Uh, Emily has started us off. Round one has just closed. Round one. Jenny, do you want to hear some of the, um, yo, I'll tell you what I do want to hear about it. It, This is so, it's really special to be this half of our, uh, partnership because Kristen like works really hard on the socials and is always like totally crushing it. And sometimes I like am asked my opinions about things as they happen, but sometimes I just like open Instagram and it's like sex- sexual attention bracket for season three is up. Here are some of the many varied contestants. And it's like Buffy and Faith in this episode, Buffy and Faith in that episode, yeah. Buffy and Faith in this whole other episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, obviously you all know it's a very Buffy and Faith heavy season. I want to say that the um, episode three and four standoff was Faith, Hope, and Trick, Buffy and Faith versus Beauty and the Beast, Buff- Buffy and Faith. And it was <laughs> such a close margin, super close margin, but Beauty and the Beast's Beauty and the Beast, Buffy and Faith won. Um, I want to let you know some people that advanced the final round who are not Buffy and Faith. Pat and Joyce. Pat and Joyce. Landslide. 984 <laughs> votes to 26 <laughs> votes for <laughs> poor Ken and Buffy who are up against Pat and Joyce. Who they had even no- was Ken? Ken. <laughs> oh, Ken. Ken in the first Ken from Anne, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, 26 also- people voted for that? Yeah, yeah. And also, of course, now I feel like Joyce and Giles uh, from Band Candy, right? And I feel like it's unfair that they're part of this season because they deserve a lot. And I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to out. We should just Buffy have an Faith. SDA bracket for every single scene in Band Candy where uh, oh, Joyce wow. and Faith are Joyce and Faith. Oh my God, Joyce <laughs> and Giles are together. Wow, starting it's all new sorts of fan bracket over there. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then what the the thing that I am most amazed by is that so up against bad girls, right? Was the Zeppo? Here's what I'm amazed about because <laughs> so, so the Zeppo Sexual Tension Award went to hashtag Yes All Men. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to know, at this point in time, there are 45 people who voted for Yes All Men (laughs) over Buffy and Faith and Bad Girls. 965 people voted for Buffy and Faith. But I just really... Do you think all 45 people who voted for that were... Hashtag yes, all men. No, I don't know. I think people like are like that's like fun, but I just, I just, I would like to sit down. I would like to do a some special... people in denial about what's going on I, in Bad Girls. Yeah, I just want to have a special episode where Petty I sit down crime. with those forty five people <laughs> breaking and entering, <laughs> assaulting police officers, so... <laughs> backing up against each other and undoing one another's handcuffs. Wow. Um, and of course, the other high, high uh, scorer in this that was not Buffy and Faith is Willow and Vampire Willow advancing to the second Tight. round. So you can participate because there are there are several more rounds of voting or at least two more. I don't know how many. Emily does it, okay? But there's more rounds of voting. There's always at least three, right? At least. Um, and so you can go just to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash STA for sexual tension award. So bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash STA. It'll take you to the second round of voting. Or if you're listening to this a little late, the third round might be open and that link will redirect you to the third round because I'm smart at computers. Um, and so you can participate in the voting and uh, we will find out in just a, in just a short while who is crowned the champion of season three. 
Can I just say I want to agree? I want to back you up and say that you are smart at computers. You want to back me up as we're talking about the Sexual Attention Award? <laughs> I gotta go. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. You in s- front of the children? <laughs> Anyhow. Um, <laughs> those are all the things we have to say about the Sexual Attention Award, bracket. Yes. But we have other things to say, too. So many things. The next one is, of course, uh, a call to action. As many of you know, we have been blessed with a great number of uh, volunteers who have come together to uh, engage in the massive process of transcribing every single one of our episodes. And if you want to be a part of that, if you're like, wow, I love to help and type and listen, and maybe you just like want an excuse to like listen to us talk a bunch more times mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, rewind 15 seconds, rewind 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't know, like, what kind of detail-oriented stuff you're into, but uh, if you feel like that uh, is a thing that you want to get involved in, this, consider this your call to action. Consider this the bell tolling for you, my friend. Mm -hmm. If you would like to help be a part of this, uh, you can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash transcriptions. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, I think we have at least 10 of the episodes transcribed already, and it's just an amazing way to make our episodes accessible to everybody. So we appreciate those of you who've already done a lot of hard work. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Also want to let you know that after the interview, we have a special uh, end of season three jingle for yeah. you. So stay tuned for we, that at the end. We, unlike other people... We didn't forget somebody. Yeah, we value someone yeah. as a person, so not just as a foil or right. a uh, one cog in a machine. Yeah. So I don't know who it is, but whoever it is is going to get a special jingle after the interview. <laughs> um, this is, as you know, the last episode of our season three, and we want to let you know that we'll be coming back at the end of May. Um, so we, as you know, we take a little break between seasons so we can rest and recharge and be ready for a whole new season of talking about college oh my God. and singing songs about it as well. Um. Yes. Wow. I already did that. And I'm going to do it again. Sang songs about college? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you just want to put um, Bat in the Hatches yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. one song at a time at the end of yeah, e- totally. each episode? That saved you a lot of work. It so. saved me a lot of work. And it also, I'm interested to see what lines up. Oh, yeah, that's Probably true. Probably nothing except, oh, beer bad. Yeah, drinking beer song. bad and the drinking song would line nice. up perfectly. <laughs> great. Awesome. Well, great. So we figured out some business here live on the uh, podcast with you. But we will miss you in the next over the next few weeks. We love you. We care about you very much. And we'll Please be back- enjoy your break from us. Yeah, we'll be back after Harry to say goodbye and to usher you into the special jingle. But until then... Go on into me talking to Harry about his experience playing the mayor, so many people's very favorite villain. He was such a delight. He was just the most wonderful human. We talked and talked and talked and talked, and he would have just hung out with me all day, I think. He was just the most generous with his time. Came to our house. It was very special. Um, So enjoy our conversation. Lots of fun little stories in there. Thank you for coming here. This is just the reason I, the way I was able to get in contact with you was because the first guest that we ever had on the show on the podcast was Armin. Yeah. 
And that was an incredible moment for Jenny and I because we, you know, we signed up for IMDb and so I said, you know, and my wife, is she like would never think to ask, you know, <laughs> they would never do it. I'm, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, surely they were doing this cool thing. It'll be great. So we reached out to Armin and got a yes, you know, like an immediate yes. And I don't know if you've spoken to him about that interview, but we wound up talking to him the day after the election. Oh, he God. was such a, tr like, I was like, are you sure you want oh, to God. still? So the, the interview was obviously about Buffy, but um, we were all in such a state. Uh, but then during that interview, he told us that you and he work together. Oh yeah, we're part of a, uh, the Antius Company, which is a wonderful theater. Um, uh, the, now, and we just recently built, I think you know, he told you, we just recently built uh, an arts complex in Glendale with yes. two with two theaters and great library and that that was you know twenty five years in coming because I my wife and I have been with this company from the very beginning we're founding members well I, I've known Armin for a very long time and getting back to Buffy he yeah. was very tasty <laughs> <laughs> he was very there tasty we have it, right? he was very tasty I have, I must say I just finished I just rewatched uh, both parts of Graduation Day. God, it's like I, I love the episodes, but I forgot how much they, they're just incredible. The whole season, season three is a wonderful season. It, it really is. And, you know, when we first started this, they had a, it was an eight episode arc. Mm -hmm. And because of the fans, thank God for the fans. Thank you so <laughs> much. I had more episodes, more episodes came. But right at the very beginning, they actually showed me a model. I believe it was about that high. What's that? About two feet, two and a half feet, three yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. Showed me a model of what he was eventually uh, morphs into. It was like a like a clay. Like, like a, a little. Well, it, I don't know what it was. It probably, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was about that. It was all painted and colored and all that. And I said, "That's what eventually will happen." I went, "Oh, how great! This will be you. This, this will be you." <laughs> I said, "How terrific!" What was interesting about graduation day? Two things I thought was fascinating. It was a night shoot, obviously, because it's a working high school. So we had to try to finish up as quickly as we could. And we were just getting there, getting there, getting there. There was one costume malfunction, which was mine, <laughs> um, which took up the time. But as it started to get light, and they, they really had to finish, they finally finished. But what was funny well, <laughs> to me was, here we all had to get the hell out of Cheyenne to get out of there because of high school. But it was like we all had to run and get undercover because the sun's coming up. Right. Because of all, we're all vampires. Right. It was as if it was as if we were all vampires, everyone on the crew <laughs> and everyone, the director, everyone, we're all vampires. We have to get underground before the sun comes up. So we have, we're running out. We're getting out of this, getting into our trailer, getting into our cars and getting changed in the trailer, getting into our cars and getting out of there so the kids in the high school could start. Oh, my but gosh. But the wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. This was... This was what they what they wanted when he begins to transform. Mm -hmm. They wanted it to kind of look like when when the Hulk uh, uh, gets bigger and totally. things, things tear and fall apart. Everything tears and falls apart. Yeah, on, yeah. On the upper water. So what they did was, God bless them, these costume people. They attached ten to twelve fishing lines divided in half. You know, five, ten, five on or six uh -huh. on one side, five or six on the other side. They were controlled by maybe three people over here and three people over here. So you were like a Thanksgiving Day flow. Right. And what was supposed to happen, they were to pull these these fishing lines, and the costume was supposed to just sort of fall apart, and, and the transition happens. Well, you'd get there. We said, okay, we're going to go for this. And the director yells, action, and we start the scene, and the things start happening. But all, all that happens is just is just this. It's just, and the it's audience can't see right. this. But yeah, it, I know. But, I'm like... but, but it looks like something is pulling on, but nothing is happening. No tear, no yeah. break in it. Nothing's happening. Cut. <laughs> you know, What's the problem? They come in, they try to figure out what the problem is. They say, we try it again. Well, 
we try about two or three or four times, maybe one little piece, you know, happens <laughs> over here, one piece, something. And but they worked f forever to, to rig that. this thing. And it right because I'm trying to think now. I just watched it, but it, that doesn't happen, right? Like the well, not, clothes don't not, really. Not really. Yeah. Because they eventually said because we had to get out of there. <laughs> right. They Son. said, well, we'll do this in front of a green screen, a blue screen, whatever, mm -hmm. which is what they did. They had the podium and they had a blue or green screen, I forget which, and the costume and did it again. And it worked better for that, but not the way they conceived it. Yeah. And I thought that was terribly oh, sad. All that work. Terribly all that sad. Work. All that work for these people and they couldn't get it to work, but it, it, it all. I'm, I'm still wondering about that little clay version. <laughs> I wonder where that where is. Where that is, yes, right? where did that oh, go? Oh, I would love to have it. We, we've had some incredible, we interviewed Nerf Herder, who's the band who did the theme song, and they brought us, you can actually see right behind your shoulder up there, there's a little piece of styrofoam, yeah. which is a piece of the Hellmouth that they gave us, that they were on. It's sort of up on top of the Buffy books. It's a little Buffy area. Oh, there it is. Yes, I see it. Yes. I see it. Um, so like when we say, <laughs> when we're talking about where is this little, like, you know, whatever it was, it's out there. I'm sure someone has it. Well, someone has to, okay, you're all out there and you all have to research yes. it. Where is that Detectives. little model? <laughs> where is the model? Find out, do it research, find it, track Please. it down somebody, find out where that model is. So, so let's go back. We, we started at the end and we'll, I think we'll go back there because there's a couple of other questions we have about graduation day. We, me and all of you listening who submitted these <laughs> incredible questions. Um, but I would love to start at the beginning of Buffy. Like, how did you come to the show? Was it just an audition? Just a regular audition. And did you um, know I, the part? It was actually my second audition. The first audition, and this is, this is kind of funny. The first audition, and thank God I didn't get it was, I believe, for the first principal before Armin. Oh my gosh, over, Principal Flutie. Whose bust... Rest in peace. <laughs> right, whose bust is in the hallway opposite the entrance to the cafeteria. Oh. So if you remember the episode where where the mayor meets Buffy for the first time in the cafeteria... Yes, we just watched The that doors open, well. you'll see a bust of the principal. That could have been me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> There was yeah, a bust of the principal. Now I'll have to and go that, back and look. I believe this is true. And I, and, and I didn't get it, thank God. Right. And, and then so this role was the second audition. And I just went in and I read and it all worked out, thank goodness. So let's talk generally about the mayor, right? Because so many of the questions that people asked to ask you were about the idiosyncrasies of the mayor and how that came to be. Did you did you come in and those were written or did you work on that? I think it's a combination. Joss is brilliant, as we all know. He's yes. brilliant. He has a very clear vision of this guy who is in, in complete control. And there might be a few little, uh, like, moist towelettes and all that stuff. <laughs> That's all written in. Uh-huh. But those are also clues right. for the actors, so you, you can you can you know riff on it and see well how about this and how about that and how about this and and for the most part they liked everything that I that how how I did what he wrote. Mm -hmm. um, but there wasn't too much of that. wasn't too much you know improvisation. It was pretty much structured. And if ever I got to a point where it seemed like it was being too much of a villain, like you must pay the rent, you must pay the rent. <laughs> Then Joss would just say, no, just throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. So, I mean, here's a man who is pretty much or feels himself pretty much in control. There's nothing that really scares him. He knows it, the, the trajectory. He knows the objective. He knows where he's going. Mm -hmm. When you have that kind of confidence, you don't have to do very much at all. You don't have to really raise your voice. You have the power. And you know you now have power over or you're gaining power over these vampires, you know, um, 
eventually you will have power over Buffy. Mm -hmm. You'll have power over it. And you know that's going to happen. Yeah. You just know it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a kind of relaxation to it. And there's an enjoyment in that power, I think, that he has. Mm -hmm. There's an enjoyment. He, he enjoys his power over these people. He doesn't really abuse it. You don't see him you know, torture people right and left. It's just, there are certain things that will inevitably happen. Yes. They just have to happen because that's what I've chosen. It's, and I know it's going to happen and we're just going to go there. Totally. As you're talking, I'm picturing the scene where you have the checklist sort of like, yes. did, picked up my laundry. <laughs> Become immortal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like did it. I knew I was going to do <laughs> yeah. it and I've done it. Right. <laughs> right? Um, I, I feel like too, the, the mayor and, and because of his checklists and because of his hand sanitizing wipes and, and the many other things that he just has such a vulnerability. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I wonder what how you found that, like how you found that mix of, we know this character, you know, he's one of these characters, few, I think, where you're like, I know that he's evil and I know yeah. I'm supposed to not like him, but I just can't not love him, you know? Well, I think the vulnerability comes in once faith enters the picture. Yes. Because he never had children with his human wife, with mm -hmm. the first wife. He never had children uh, with her and watched her die. I, I assume watched her die, um, and then Faith comes into the picture. I, I mean, it was very when I read that script, and, all, and he opens the door, and there's Faith. I went, "Whoa, <laughs> whoa, yeah. what is this?" Right, and therein begins a father-daughter relationship that is, uh, it is unconditional, and she has never had that kind of relationship—an unconditional love, if you will—and mm -hmm. uh, she gets that from him. It doesn't matter what she does. He won't criticize. He won't do it. He just, he adores her. And I think on some level, she gets that from him. But that's also his weakness now. Mm -hmm. Now he's vulnerable. And I brought this up to Joss. I said, what, where is he vulnerable? Now he's, but now when Faith comes into the picture, I said, that's, that's the Achilles heel. That's where he's going to make the mistakes. Mm. And I think he took that and then, you know, went to, because that is in Wow. That is so in that fact. was an actual conversation yeah. between you. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that he didn't already have that. Right, right. You know? But still, that you you sensed. Yeah, because now he now he's vulnerable. Now now you potentially could hurt someone he loves, and up to that point, he doesn't really love anybody except himself. Right, right. And so faith comes into the picture, and it's a whole. She changes the ball game. She changes it uh, completely. Someone related to this asked, uh, do you think that the mayor had, I have strong opinions about this, genuine affection for Faith, or was it just highly skilled manipulation? And followed by saying, can someone that clearly evil be capable of such a fatherly love? Sure. I say absolutely yes. Yeah. And where's the, where's the drama, where's the conflict if it isn't? If he's so completely in control and manipulates even Faith, then where is this, for me, there's no drama. Absolutely. And having just come off of watching Graduation Day again, it, it seems very clear. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're, you know, you're, the mayor is not just manipulating. The mayor is definitely devastated no, it, by it. When it comes to, when it comes to faith, and Eliza was wonderful. She truly was terrific. When she, and, she, and, and you look at what that character does. When the mayor tries to orchestrate a, a kind of normal father-daughter relationship and gives her a, a sundress, you know, and, and, and just, well, try this on as opposed to all that leather and boots and things <laughs> like that. She does. She puts it on. She goes and goes, well, what do you think? You know, and for her to do that. Right. 
it tells me that there's, there's an, she is accepting of this relationship. She, at some point, wants this kind of relationship mm -hmm. that she's never had. And they give that to each other. Um, yeah, he certainly is. He, I think he showed it <coughs> in the course of the episodes with Faith. Uh, but, that, you know, Joss, but he wrote that in. Yeah. That's, what he, that's what he put in there. But yes, he is. Um, you know, you could ask that question of Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did he ever love, did he love Ava Brown? No, I don't think so. You know, did he love uh, any of those really evil, evil, evil people? Did he, well, you can ask that about a president. Does he love anyone? Mm -hmm. Does he love his daughter, his sons? I don't think Melania. I think Melania. I think if I heard the, I heard this story, and I don't, I don't know if any of this is true. You all can research this. <laughs> but I heard that if he had not won the election, she was going to divorce him. Have you heard that? I haven't, but it is certainly not she a was, shock. She was planning on divorcing him. I, now, for all of you out there, I don't know if any of this is true. Mm -hmm. This is hearsay. Right. You can all look this up. This is the gossip is corner. This is the gossip corner. <laughs> so, what does that mean? Yeah. And. You know, he's he's someone who, I, I, there's no empathy there. There's no any, so is there any empathy for his children? Really, mm -hmm. real empathy for a parent? But I think with the mayor, there absolutely was. Someone comes into his life and he goes, wow. Because we both think alike. We're both on the same, we're both on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about, you know, killing is okay. You, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Killing and power and all that is really good. Well, it's like methodical. It's, it's There's something uh, methodical both about the mayor and faith. Like, uh -huh. there's, a, there's a line from A to B, and we're just going to follow that line to get from A to B. Exactly. They really share that. Look, here's this great knife. Here's yeah. this great <laughs> yes. knife. Isn't that wonderful? You <laughs> know, the, it's not the... a car. It's not a... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> credit card for sub it's a it's a here kill more people with this oh, and it, i think it, <laughs> i think in that scene that because as we're re we're recording this episode right before we're about to air choices which is the episode where she gets the knife and i believe in that scene she gets the knife and you're also giving her cookies uh, yeah, it's just I'm like sure. a constant i don't remember but i'm sure it was. yeah it's a constant juxtaposition you answered a question that i had for later on in the in the uh interview but i'm gonna go there now because you brought up our president, and I could not have you here without asking, and I think you you just answered it, if you think that the population uh, was, was worse off with uh, Mayor Wilkins at the helm, or if <laughs> we're worse off now. No, he was a very efficient... <laughs> He's extremely <laughs> efficient. He can get things done. He can get he can get uh, public works to happen. He can make sure the garbage is taken. Yeah. He can make sure that city is clean. Yes. And people are taking care of this other thing that he's doing. <laughs> something totally. That's his thing. No, but in terms of his job, no. I I get the impression that he was a very efficient and uh, uh, mayor. Yeah. He got things yes. done, and he if he if he certainly chose, but he. He can get things done. He can get the correct people to work for him and get all that stuff done to serve the public. Totally. I believe he has a, he's very clear about that. Yes. <laughs> very clear about serving the public. Yes. Yeah, I think one of the first scenes we ever see the mayor in, it's down in the sewers and like he makes a phone call and is like, we're going to need clean up in the sewers, you know, like definitely taking care of the city. But also the, the reason uh, you brought it up in my mind was because not only is, is the mayor efficient in ways that our current administration certainly is not, but also... You know, I think you posited that the mayor had the capacity for love and vulnerability, and we might not be seeing that in our current leader. I, I certainly don't see it. I, I, you know, but who who couldn't see that from the very beginning? Uh, I don't understand. Who who couldn't uh, see what kind of person he was? It's the question that will stick with me and I think most of us for the rest of our lives. My God. Truly. What the, 
hell are we going to? Because uh, I could see voting for for Mayor Wilkins. I could see not no not realizing that there was a giant snake uh, demon no, contained he, within. He's smart enough not to he, not to make sure that you don't see that. Yes, yes. He knows how to how to make that. And when you got vampires to help you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, because they could just they're just great. Vampires are great. Yes. Uh, a little question from uh, Instagram that came through about the mayor was, uh, or about you really. Can you apply hand sanitizer or wipe something clean without thinking of the mayor? Oh, sh- oh I, yeah, of course. You can. I don't think about the mayor all the time. <laughs> I really don't. Well, I think, um, that, I think that, who is the person that, uh, Sarah R. I think Sarah R. We're all immersed in season three right now, you know? <laughs> so we've seen you with hand sanitizer wipes every week for yeah. some weeks. <laughs> so something may remind me of right. it, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not there all the time. Um, I really do enjoy uh, talking about Buffy and talking about the mayor because that was a great, great gig for me. You know, doing episodics is fine. You get to do episodics, but but most of the time they're not very interesting, and you're playing characters that are simply there to serve the story. So you get you give information to the story. There's very little character development in some of the things that you do, so it's not very interesting. And this, it was so much fun to go to work. Um, the cast was incredible. I mean, they were just you know Sarah has been doing this since she was you know yay high mm-hmm. and 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 is. So professional and always right there, and but everyone, I really got the impression that everybody really liked each other a lot and liked to play with each other, and that for the most part happens. But sometimes you get situations where it's really just a business relationship. But in this in this uh, circumstance, uh, everyone seemed to really enjoy each other, and and I loved coming into that environment. I loved playing with them. Did you know the show before you? I mean, you auditioned. I certainly, yeah, I, I, I did know about it before, and I saw the movie because I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a vampire freak. I love the, I love the the myth. <laughs> Tell um, us more. What what yeah. vampire? Who are your favorite vampires? <laughs> well, you know, I loved I, I I loved Anne Rice all of Anne Rice's books. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought she she hit it pretty close to an idea of what a vampire should be. Mm-hmm. I loved all that stuff, but I did know the story. Um, and I and when the when the the show finished when it finally was done. I I missed it not so much, you know, doing it. Yes, I love to do it, but I missed the story and I missed the kids. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what happened to yeah. them now. <laughs> What's happened to them? Where did they go? What did they do? I really missed them. Yeah. Do you have any fun? I mean, you must have uh, some fun stories from set. Some things that really stick well, out in your the mind. Last, the last two episodes, the double episode, the last two episodes was interesting because you would usually you get a script and you could you know, the night before, or two days before, whatever, you have some kind of script that you can get into work on. We didn't have any script. All we got was a synopsis. It said, and they, but they basically said, come to work. Here's a, here's what the story is going to be. <laughs> I said, okay, great. Huh. So we all come to work. There's no script. And we get one scene finally. And so you get the scene and you 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 get the lines and all that. You go in to rehearse it. Then, they, then you go away and they light it and do all that. And you come back and you do it. While you're rehearsing it, Joss is over, in, literally over in the corner, writing the next scene. Wow! Yeah, he's literally. I saw this. He's over there writing the next scene. So you didn't really. They didn't. They, you know, they didn't have the the whole thing written. So, but they wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and wrote it, and, then, and it finally all got shot. Incredible. Yeah. So uh, I've never been in that circumstance before, but it was fun, and it was. Uh, uh, everyone's in the same boat. So 
um, there wasn't as much pressure to be to to really know the lines. I mean, everybody did, but uh, you didn't have that pressure. Oh my God, I've I've had this kid for two days. I should know this line because yeah. I don't want to hang anybody up. Yeah. Because the longer you're on there, the more money gets paid to everybody else. Of course. To crews and all that because of overtime. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I always I don't like to be in that position. So, but everybody's in the same boat. And we all had, you know, we all had just a fun. I just I just loved it. Did you have a sense when you were working on the show that it would become sort of this like cult behemoth that it is today? The cult stuff, no. I I I I don't. I didn't really have a sense that it was going to be as big as it was. I I certainly knew that it was very very popular, but I had no idea that it was going to go the way it was going to go, or that the mayor was going to be as popular as he as he ended up being. Uh, a lot of the fans when I when I could talk to them and they say one of the things that's the scariest thing for them about the mayor is that he looked like your guy next door he was just he was and that was one of the words that Joss used in the audition is that he's he's innocuous he, he's you know don't don't play the the bad guy he's mm-hmm. just like he's like a regular everyday guy could be your uncle could be the, your, your neighbor next door that you know forever and deep down inside and how many people like that don't we see in the news Right, that are the serial killers, mm-hmm. and you look at them and you go, they're just—they they don't have horns. Coming yeah, <laughs> they don't have scales or te- or fangs. Um, they're just—they're like normal people, and they're terribly dangerous and evil. And you go, wow, wow, there you go. There's a great study. Just watch, look at them, see how they behave. Yeah, there's something very haunting about the overlap of the mayor's evil and his. Um, self-identification as a family man yeah you know yeah. right <laughs> there's a lot there I <laughs> right i know yeah so i would love to talk for a minute about the special effects because mm-hmm. you have some serious special some effects great like ones, right? head splits in half I, know. I mean you're constantly having things like split you in half or go through your hand or go through your chest or... <laughs> <laughs> like i know when you get that sword in me yeah i yeah. love that whoa yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was the exact delivery. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait a minute. Yeah, all that technical stuff is really fun to be a part of if you've never ever done something like that before. How do you do that? How do you do yeah. all that stuff? Um, but they're very specific, and it takes you know they're very um, everything is everything is blocked. Everything is done in a certain way. And you say, all right, you go to there, and then. You'll just and then you'll pretend to take it out or whatever it is, and it's mm-hmm. all done by computer and CGI. So it looks like the whole sword is taken out of your chest, or when the hand thing happened, when that happened. Yeah. Um, they they all pretty much do that in the computer. So that like when your head splits in half, you just had to stand still. Well, the for... guy who comes and splits it, you you take you film him coming towards you and then raising it up and coming down over your head, and then, then it's computer when you see the head goes like right. that and goes back together again. <laughs> um, but he has to come run up and, and as if, and then, okay, hold it, <laughs> right? Gosh, just, it's, I mean, just very fun. You, I think up until this point in the series, you might have the most of special effects that we've seen, you know, of a character, like just so many different things. And and I also wonder um, about the scene with, well, there's a couple of scenes with spiders. There's the scene where they attack and then yes. there's the scene where you eat them. I would love to hear about both or either. Well, the the, the scene where I eat them is actually more interesting. <laughs> Great, let's go Because there. <laughs> they asked me, they said, well, do you have any allergy, food allergies or anything like that? I said, no. So I said, okay, because what we're going to do is, because it's it's easier to mold we're going to make the spider out of Tootsie Rolls. Well, 
for anyone who's had a Tootsie Roll, and I'm sure you all have out mm-hmm. there, you know it takes a long time to eat a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> a long time to dissolve it, right? Yeah. So they made the spider with the Tootsie Roll, and um, and they painted it black with black food coloring or whatever it was. <clears throat> and then you chomp into it, and you start eating it and all that, and you realize this is going to take a really long time. <laughs> so I said to the director, I said, look, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be able to eat this whole thing through this take. Right. But what I can do is I can pretend like I've eaten it and swallowed it and then take the, and you'll see this on the in the episode, and I have my napkin. So then you wipe your mouth, and when you wipe your mouth, you put it, you, you push out the rest ah. of the thing into the napkin, and so then you, you, know, you finish it off. Um, but but yeah, I put I actually take it, I wipe my mouth with the napkin and push the rest of the tootsie roll into the napkin, so that you know. Thank goodness the mayor was so clean, you know, so clean, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it's very believable that he would of course be wiping his mouth, of course, after eating spiders, know, all that. That also makes sense. Yeah, I, I noticed watching today that as you're eating them, um, really just disturbing. It's just not fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> but that your mouth is turning, like you can see that. I think the food coloring. What is the food coloring? Yeah. Um, the black. Food coloring, what of course we assume is just spider juice. Spider juice. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Let's go to graduation day. For, I know we talked about it already, but there's just so many things. Um, I think <laughs> this is a fun question. I, I'm wondering how you feel about the mayor's end, like about the culmination of it. And someone specifically asked what you thought of his final words. Well, gosh. Which well did you vo- did you voice that and then they manipulated yeah. your voice? No, I I recorded it. They just you you stand off in the corner with a mic someplace and you just do it over and over and over and I choose the one they wanted to want to do. Right. Well, gosh, it's something. It made sense for me that he would say that and not the f word. You know, not oh fuck. <laughs> right. right. Not a family man. <laughs> oh, no. He wouldn't. He wouldn't say that. He'd say, oh wow. He's he's surprised at, at what happened. He didn't expect that to happen at all. Mm-hmm. Totally. He he knew it was all gonna. He knew exactly what was gonna happen. And then when I'm this guy, I'm gonna do this and this and this and this and this. But he was. He's been totally surprised and totally screwed over by. Buffy, God bless her. Yes, right? yes, totally. And so he is actually surprised. Mm-hmm. I I lucked out. I really did luck out in this experience, and I'm so grateful uh, to Joss and uh, to everybody that was involved. They've been really, really wonderful to me. And I I I got to tell you, many times I go into one audition, and so many of those people are Buffy fans, mm-hmm. and they know the role and 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 all that. And I and I wonder how many roles I might have gotten because mm-hmm. of, <laughs> they were fans of Buffy. Right. Oh, we got to have the mayor on the show, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so I, so I'm, I, there, are, there are dividends that continue to come um, with this show because of the fans. You must get recognized. Uh, yeah, from... I do. And, and it's very funny because some of, the, some of the parents who also watch the show and also fell in love with it, they will kind of <laughs> look out to me and say, "Excuse me, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I'm a, I'm a fan. My, my daughter, my son, my daughter, they loved it. But I also watched it, and it was really, really terrific. And they'll look around like, is, is anybody watching? And they say, I really enjoyed it. You did really, really great. Said, Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> you know, or they'll just jump in the deep end, and they'll say, Oh, I'm a big, huge fan of Buffy. Oh, I just love that show. That was so great." It's. So, I mean, it's still cont- – and I, I know, I'm sure you know this better than most people, but it, it continues to find new fans. And yeah. the fans that exist, we continue to consume it again and again. You know, it's just – it's something that has more life than most other things I've oh, ever I know. experienced. It's, it, it's just fa- – and, and, the, and the one sentence I think is really interesting that is consistent. They would say, you, you were the best villain. And I went, that's in the writing. 
that's that's Joss. Mm. You, they were affected by his, uh, by the evil, by by how bad he was, and he didn't have a. As I said before, he didn't have a horn, didn't have a scale, he didn't have claws, he didn't have. He wasn't a big old monster. Didn't have any of the obvious demon kind of things. He was just like he looked like you or me, and he was just a regular guy that had all the evil inside, and and that is something that we know exists and is a reality. The, mm -hmm. the scaly people, the horned, the horned people, those are fantasies. Mm -hmm. His uh, evil is reality mm -hmm. in our society today. <laughs> he, that kind of evil is reality where uh, th that can happen. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Do you have, um, you said you like vampires. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you have, not to villainize all vampires, I'm so sorry vampires, uh, but do you have a favorite villain? Having played one so masterfully, oh, do you have? Oh gosh, that's a hard <laughs> or, question. Or a, a villain that you... Love it doesn't have to be a favorite. Well, to go back to a classical play, if you want to go back to a classical play, <laughs> always. And considering our company, the Antius Company in Glendale, California, <laughs> yes, put that plug in. <laughs> um, uh, 
a very interesting villain is Richard III and Richard III. And, and the reason I bring this up, because there is a similarity between Richard and the mayor, mm -hmm. because Richard is very clear about his villainy. He is not freaked out by it. He says, I'm a villain, and I'm, I'm a villain because of this and this and this, and I'm okay with this because I know where I'm going. I'm going to be king. I want to be king. The mayor says, I know where I'm going. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to take mm -hmm. over the world, or he's going to become whatever he's going right. to do. Yeah, well, uh, what is he going to do if he succeeds? He do? <laughs> what are you going to do when everyone's, you've eaten everybody? Right. Now what are you going to do? <laughs> now what? <laughs> no, but he's, he's, he's really fascinating um, uh, in Shakespeare's play, very different than, than the real uh, Richard III. But he is very fascinating, and I, and I love his manipulation. I love his relationship to the audience when he's out there talking. And if you're doing it correctly, you get the audience on, on your side, mm -hmm. and they really like you until they realize, oh, my God, I'm, I like this murderer. Yes. I like this killer. And yes. what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. um, so he's a, he's a fascinating character. I'm sure there are others. Also, they have the same name. You're really raising some <laughs> oh, interest. That's, yeah, you Perhaps. Go. I mean, there you go. Richard Wilkins was around for a long time. Yeah. Perhaps even faster. Is he Richard Wilkins III? Yeah. Or is he, Richard, is he really? Ooh, I don't know. I should know that. Richard we both should probably Richard know Wilkins the. It sounds right. That sounds correct, isn't it? Should I, should I look it up? And, and so I think you should. I can look it up right now. Look it up right now. Because I remember, that sounds like it might be right. Richard Wilkins III. That would be really bananas. If and they know. just, you know, they. I read a book about. Yes, it is. Yes, he is Richard Wilkins the <laughs> Third. So he is Richard. The, he is Richard the Third. <laughs> wow. Oh man! If you all can see my eyes right now. They're the size even, of saucers. I didn't even go there when I brought up Richard Third. I did not even right, go there. Right. With Richard Wilkins the Third. Whoa. That is everybody's brains just exploding. Now I wonder if Josh yes. was thinking about that. Now. Right. It seems like too close a parallel. To... Because because when you see that play and it was done correctly, you end up laughing at Richard. You have he 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 is stunned by by how everything is working the way he is planning. He he planned it out. Yes, and that it's actually working toward that. I mean, he really enjoys himself, mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's just we, that's just bizarre. We just cracked something big here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Man. I just have, I think I just don't have one more question and then a message from one of our listeners. But um, I wanted to know, you know, Faith and the mayor, as we've talked about already, they have just this beautiful relation, like this really heartbreaking relationship. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you have like a, a favorite moment or a moment that really sticks out to you. And, you know, you have so many with her, but um, I wonder if there's one that stands out. Well, I, as I mentioned before, the, the the scene where he, I think he, doesn't he, he he has an apartment for her. Yeah. He gets her, gets her an apartment and then he wants her to put that dress on. Mm -hmm. And then she comes out and he just says, you know, you're just, it's so you're just so beautiful. You're just mm -hmm. so be I think it's a very sweet, sweet moment yeah. uh, in their relationship. I think that is a really staggering moment to watch too, though, as you know, seeing Faith, having known Faith for the whole season, seeing her not only change into something that she says isn't her, but accept it because of how much she like wants that. She wants to please him. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's the that's the scene where he refers to himself as her father. I think directly for the first time. So I it think so. also makes sense. I, I don't remember what I think. I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it has to be that. It has to be that 
kind of relationship. And I was so worried uh, during it. I asked once in a while, this isn't, there's, there's nothing, you don't perceive anything sexual here mm -hmm. because there's, that cannot be, it cannot be that. It has to be paternal. It has to be uh, that. Yes. If, if you see any of that, let me know, tell me, and we'll, and we'll adjust it. Mm -hmm. I was really concerned about it. I did not want that. I didn't want the audience to get any of that. Yeah. it's uh, That's something that we talk about on the podcast a lot, that line, because Faith's character really goes to a sexual place. Like, that is what she knows. That's the way she knows to connect. And so seeing her relationship to the mayor is is so different than any relationship we've really seen or that she's probably had. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know that in Eliza's journey, when she thinks about Faith, that she has faith question mm. his, him as an older man uh, um, seeming to have interest in a younger woman. Right. Whether in, in her character when she played it, not that you would see it, but that she would think about what does he want? What mm -hmm. does he want? What there, does he want? Yeah, there is, there is a moment in the beginning. The first thing she says is, I can't remember the, the line. I'm like a, a scholar at this point. The <laughs> amount of times I've seen season three making the podcast. But there's a scene um, where she does, she says, you know, like, how can I think? Like, she says something sexual. And that's mm -hmm. when he's very clear, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I'm not sure uh, either. But there is that decided moment of... Yeah. It, it, it can't be that. Right. It, it's, it just it diminishes. It cheapens it. It just it, it can't be that. It's there's a it, there's something pure about their relationship. I think something simple and just pure mm -hmm. in their in their minds. Totally. They're, I mean, that their relationship I think has reminded us to of in a very different way. But Spike and Drusilla's relationship earlier in the series, where you have again like it's two they're two evil people, but their mm -hmm. love is act is real. It's not mm -hmm. rooted in evil. No, and, and it, it, it you know, and what's important is how, and I said this before, is how unconditional it is. Mm -hmm. Because for me, real love for another human being has to be, there have to be no conditions. If you have a list of things, well, I'll love you if mm -hmm. you have this and you're that and you're this and you're that, you're already dead in the water. Mm -hmm. You are dead in the water. It has to be unconditional. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. No matter what, I will love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's what it has to be if you love somebody, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Also, we're getting love advice now. From, <laughs> from the mayor. Yeah, from the mayor. <laughs> um, so one more thing that I just thought of, uh, our listeners. So we've had a great time this season with the mayor, obviously, in so many ways. But one thing we've all got a good laugh out of, and I think they've enjoyed, is uh, there's a very specific scene. And I don't expect you to remember this, but there's a scene where... The mayor is pouring milk, um, and it's just milk left out on the counter. And we were so upset by it because the mayor is so germphobic and cares so much about. So we've talked about this milk so often. If you have any insight into why the mayor would have ever left that milk out I, on the counter, I, you're right. I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, such a it's such I, a I don't remember this, detail. but you're absolutely right. He would he would smell it or something. He would. <laughs> Test it first before putting it in his. Was he going to put it in coffee or tea? Or no, something? he just a straight up glass of milk. Oh, it was glass the nineties. Sure. Remember, and it was we... it was out and it was standing. And it out. was just standing out, just out on his like on the little table behind his desk. And we thought, what? But, and was it a glass of milk? A glass of milk for somebody else. I can't remember who he was giving it to. Well, Probably so Faith or... so potentially it could have just been put out. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We don't know what happened. And right he before. and he and he knew that it was just put out. <laughs> Because if it, no, listen, because if, if it, if it 
was something like that where it had been out for a long time, Joss may have used that and to have him come over right. and sniff it and toss it out and put a new glass. He may have used it as a bit or totally. something. Totally. But uh, oh, thank the only, goodness. Uh, it's the only way I can justify right. now it. Now we can all we he, can put it to bed. He, knew, he 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 had just poured it. Right. The mayor would never pour milk out of a pitcher that wasn't cold to the touch. That's right. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I have a message. Normally, this would be the part, and I am going to say these things too. But somebody sent in a message that really captured, I think, how I feel and how so many of us feel about um, you and your work and the mayor. This listener wrote in, I don't have a question so much as I just love to say thank you for bringing to life such a charming and creepy and loving and threatening and funny and sinister and golfing and stabbing human and snaky and utterly fabulous half dad, half villain, half Giles doppelganger. Yes, that's one and a half total Mayor Wilkinses, all while simultaneously maintaining such a snazzy shrunken head collection. The Buffyverse will adore you forever, Mr. Groner. Oh. Well, that's just one of the sweetest things. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I think, you know, people have been excited when we've interviewed, when we've had people on, but the amount of people who were just like, that's my favorite villain. That's my favorite. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, the, the impact I think you've had on the Buffyverse is, is a lasting one. So thank you for- Oh, you're very, very welcome. And the golf, she references the golf. One of the hardest things. Do I, do I, because it, 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 I don't golf. It, it was in that scene, do I, do I hit the ball? It's supposed to go into a glass? Oh, is it a glass? Yeah, I picture in my mind, I remember it like a little, little Was it cup. a glass or was it a, was it one of those regular golf Things. Like a right, like a little hill with a hole in it thing. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I don't remember because I remember it being, I think it was one of those little shell things that mm-hmm. like that. And because I don't, I said I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. I just did. This is very funny. I just did an episode of. It has the two comedians on it. They're fabulous. What is it? Ghosted. Oh yeah. Ghosted. An episode of Ghosted. That was last year, and I had to. We had. I had to golf. I don't golf. <laughs> And I had a, 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 a Sam McMurray had a dear friend Sam McMurray who golfs, and he was also in the episode. So he and I said, Sam, you, you got to help me. You got to help me. This. He says, Don't worry, Harry, I get you. So so he showed me how to hold it. He showed me how to do all that stuff. And we and the scene is I don't hit any. I don't do anything. I just make it like you're getting ready to do it. The friend then the director said, All right, Harry, you got to hit it. I said, What? <laughs> you got to hit it. I said, I don't. I don't golf. He said, Well, man, you got to hit it. <laughs> All right, okay, I'll do the best I can. And son of a gun, if I didn't hit it, now it it was sliced, which it should be, which it should have been, because oh. he wasn't a very good golfer. Right. Oh, that's but, good. But I did actually connect. I hit it, and that thing took off. But it went to the left and went into a bunch of bushes. And when it did that, then the rest of us just improvised. I mean, oh man, it went into bush. Now what do I do? Right, I did right, right. And, just, and then went off the scene. But I, I, but I actually got to, got to do that and play golf and hit it into something. Incredible. That was fun, but it freaked me out. Did you did you have to get the the ball to go into? Were you the person who hit the ball into the cup in that scene? Yeah, I, it it took a number of times because it would go right or we go left or whatever it is. But the camera was there; they wanted that angle, right, right there. So I had to hit the ball toward the toward the lens oh, for them to get that the ball going like that. <laughs> good, and, good. No cracked lenses. No, no, no. no. <laughs> that wasn't CGI. That was that, that was real me. golfing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thank you again and again. Oh, it's my and again. pleasure. What fun. Uh, before we go, I want for people to know where they can find you now, what you're working on, especially I know you're really active in the theater company that you talked about. But. Yes. Uh, for anyone who is in the Los Angeles area, for all of you in Los Angeles area, the Antius Company 
is a company that's been around for about 25 years. It is a classical theater company, but we're not limited to doing just classical players. We just built this theater complex, the uh, uh, David and Kiki Gindler Performing Arts Center, and the reason their name is on it is because they were instrumental in putting us over the top in terms of raising money. Mm. It, it, this is a, a, a company that's been around for over 25 years. My wife and I are founding members, and we opened the, the theater with Cat in a Hot Tin Roof that my wife and I played uh, Big Daddy and uh, uh, Big Mama. And we opened in, uh, and it was last year, and it was a huge hit. And, and it was very lucky for us because it was the first one out of the gate because we had just finished building it. Right. And it was the first production out of the gate, and it was a, a, a hit, thank God. But we'll see. We'll see about any other stuff. I want to do yeah. some more film. I want to do some more. Um, there's a film that, that uh, is out now on Netflix called A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. Do you know this one? No. A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. Apparently, people really, really like it. This is about National Lampoon and how that all started that eventually morphs into the people that went to Saturday Night Live and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. That's on Netflix, A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. Oh, awesome. I'll check that out. Yeah. And we'll put, obviously, all of these things in the show notes so that people can click the links and find all the things yeah. that you're talking about. But um, thank you again so oh, much. Oh, it's this... been my pleasure. What a joy. I love talking about Buffy. Buffy is my pal. <laughs> yeah. So really do we. Is. We're in the business of Buffy over here. Yeah. So <laughs> we love it too. We love it too. It really brings it really brings incredible people together. And what's been remarkable for me as I've interviewed more and more people from the show is I see from like the listeners and like being amongst other fans and stuff that they're just the best people on the planet. And then the more people that come in from the show, it's just like everyone is nicer than the next person. Everyone yeah. is just so and I think that's why it is as special as it is. But also, but you know this, it always comes down from the, from the top. It, 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 you you surround people of like minds. Mm-hmm. And Joss is just an incredible uh, artist uh, and writer, but he's also a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And and he just, I can only imagine he would surround himself with with other really nice people. And then you, you I, that just trickles on down. Yes. So that the, the people you have in the cast and all they're really nice people and, and it just makes sense to me. Well, we have uh, we still have years to go with our journey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But thank you again. Uh, And I, for one, will be coming to see productions at the theater company because we live so close. They're doing well. They're doing a a really wonderful production of Harold Pinter's Hot House right now. Oh, cool! And it's actually really, really good. It doesn't matter because we double cast our our plays. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what cast you see in this particular circumstance. the The play after this is um, Native Son. Uh, this is oh, uh, yeah. this this is a, 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 a an African American story, and that it will be single cast, and then the one after that is Three Days in the Country, which is based on Turgenev's A Month in the Country. Great, we'll check it out. Antias.org for all those. Antias, who... yes, Antias.org. A N T A E U S A N T A E U S Antias.org. I would not have known how to spell it. I yeah, have to admit, I, I... I have to admit, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Harry. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. Wow. That was so great. Yeah, you liked it? You had a good time? how Harry Groner's laugh, I mean, I guess it just makes sense, but his laugh is the laugh. It really is. Like, it's so wild. It's, he was, every time he laughed, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. It's real. It's really happening. What? A fantastic interview. You did such a great job. Thank you. I had so much fun doing it. It's it's been so like just talking to so many of the people who've been a part of the show is has been such a joy, um, truly. But Harry, 
Harry was just very special. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're in this area, honestly, if you're in the Los Angeles area or if you're here, you should really check out um, the theater company that he spoke about where Armin Shimmerman is also a part, like participating yeah. member. Uh, super cool that those two are still working together. Antius. I want to get yeah. into it. Antius. I enjoy exactly. theater. Right? So yeah. Who doesn't? Um, anyhow, uh, thank you again to Harry. And we hope you all enjoyed that as much as we did. Yes, of course. And I, as you may know, am Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen, I am making songs. You can hear some of them at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. You can. And if you'd like to find me over on the internet scape, you can do so at KristenNoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. N-O-E-L-I-N-E. That is my Twitter handle. It's my Instagram handle. And it's also my website. So you can find me in all of those places. And you can learn about the work that I do when I'm not watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is work with the LGBTQ community and families and educators, loved ones of the LGBTQ community. Uh, you can learn all about it over there. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast. And you can always email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You sure can. And uh, if you want to support our work, you can do that. Of course, you can buy some of the new merch we have, the Buffy and Faith erotic novel zine illustrated <laughs> by Christine Tuna. You can pre-order the season three CD. You can get yourself Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy uh, crew neck. I mean, there's a lot of different options you have for Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy, but I have the crew neck. I'm actually wearing it right now. I wear it every single day. I think I need to get another one for myself. It's because so they're, cozy. It's so soft and cozy. Um, so you can go on over to bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Click on shop to find out um, more about all of that information. You can also, while you're on our website, you can click on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a way that so many of you support this podcast and it really it really is why we're able to do the things that we are able to do. So thank you if you're already a supporter. And if you want to become one, you can go on over there, click on Patreon. Um, there's a few different levels of giving. You get all sorts of fun things. Buffy watches, the songs in advance, uh, Q&A videos. is a lot of fun. You get to also be in the secret Facebook group, which is just a miraculous place. It's the most special place on all of the internet. Yeah, I think so. Um, so you can do those things. Uh, you can also, as Jenny mentioned, you can follow us on social media. That's always helpful. And next week we'll be doing a giveaway of um, the Upper Deck Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game, which Jenny and I have signed and Jenny has rubbed uh, all over her face. That's right. So <laughs> that's it. And then I just want to remind everybody of um, the Sexual Attention Award bracket. Yes. It is open. It will be, uh, round two is open now and then we'll go into round three. You can find it at bufferingthevampireslayer.com <laughs> slash STA. What are you this giggling about? such a ridiculous thing. It's the best thing. It's so great. It's a wonderful thing. So join us in your voting. Uh, and I think that we, that's all we have until we're back at the end of May. Yeah. And don't forget, after we howl, there's a very special jingle waiting for you at the very end of the Ooh, episode. I'm so excited. So, till next season. Uh, She's from Boston, keeps it spotting, doesn't need any frills. Seems like she's the only one who's taking care of herself. Don't call her loser, she's a bruiser with the power and skill. But the demons deep inside her are the hardest to kill. Faith! Mm -hmm. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.